We can be dream makers, nurturing, compassionate. Nosotros podemos ser más unidos. We can be anything. I'm Grant Oliphant. This is We Can Be. The first pictures now coming in from Puerto Rico after taking a direct hit. Hurricane Maria slamming into the island, and as you heard, one official saying the island is destroyed. We can see some of the debris that's come off buildings from all around here. Bits of roof, side walls, balconies, satellite dishes, everything just getting ripped down by winds up to probably 150 miles per hour here in San Juan. This was a worst case scenario. Steve, just a, a little example. We've been watching that American flag flying over your shoulder there the past uh, few hours, and it was whipping in the wind. Now it is tattered and barely hanging on yeah. to shreds. Our guest today came to international prominence as a strong and vocal advocate for relief during the aftermath of Hurricanes Irma and Maria. Whether in disaster relief efforts or in everyday life, the mayor of San Juan, Puerto Rico, Carmen Juline Cruz, Juline as she likes to be known, is not afraid to use her voice to call out injustice when she sees it. While her refreshing honesty has gained her international acclaim, she is also making strides as a proponent of green energy policy that just might make Puerto Rico an example of equitable sustainability for the U.S. and the world. Mayor Julian Cruz, thank you so much for joining us on We Can Be. Thank you for having me. You are known to the country largely because of what happened in Puerto Rico following the hurricanes. Can you describe for us what happened through your eyes? I spent the night of the 19th at the largest shelter in Puerto Rico. The municipality ran seven shelters, and there were about 685 people and about 200 employees. We had been told that it was probably going to be about a week before we could get out of the shelter. There is nothing, I think, more devastating than the feeling of impotence. I knew that things were never going to be the same. I knew that the people that were there were probably not going to have anything when they went back home. Because the people that go to shelters are those that are more vulnerable. So it, we had prepared as much as we could prepare. We had 20 power lights and 10 generators. We had food and water for about a month, medicine for two months, and surgical equipment for two months. But we weren't expecting what we saw when we went outside. It looked like a bomb had hit. There were more than 30 million trees that were devastated. And look, I spent a lot of time in San Juan in our communities, but all of a sudden I could see poverty naked in front of me. Homes that were made out of wood were there no more. Basketball courts that were made out of steel, it was as if Maria had just crunched them up as if it was a piece of paper and made it into a little ball. It was devastating but eerie at the same time because there was a very quiet stillness, a deafening silence. 
There was a dusk to dawn curfew, so now that the curfew's over, people are out and about milling around, many of them surveying the damage themselves. The only noise we hear right now in San Juan is coming from generators. That's the only lifeline these people have. Power is cut. There's no way to communicate. The government is projecting this island could be without electricity for months. Julie knew at a very young age that she wanted to be mayor of San Juan. I asked her about why the city means so much to her and what inspired her to go into public service. Well, I, I was born in San Juan, 1963. I lived there all my life, except for a, a small 12-year hiatus that I went to Boston University and then came to Carnegie Mellon to the Heinz School. One of the things that I liked about Pittsburgh, it was that it was like San Juan, that soul, that, that connectivity amongst people, that being able to help one another, despite our differences. When you grow up in San Juan, you grow up with the memory of a mayor called Felisa Rincón. But she was the person that put equality for all above everything. As I grew up, I wanted to be Alcaldesa de San Juan, which means mayor, but I couldn't say it. I'm heavily dyslexic, so I would say Taltaldesa. I couldn't say Alcaldesa. There's actually an eight millimeter movie in my house where I'm, my mother has me in her arms and my father asks me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I say, Taltaldesa de San Juan. You knew that? I knew. And then I come from a family of public servants. My father worked in the government. My mother was a substitute teacher. My grandmother, who I think it's one of the most endearing influences in my life, was the daughter of a sugarcane plantation worker. And education was what really helped her claw her way out of poverty. And she instilled in me the, you have to go to school, because if you get an education, no one will be able to tell you what you have to do. You can draw your own path. My parents made me go through these things called arriba corazones, raise your heart. And they would wake my brother and I at four in the morning, and they would take just a thermos of coffee and a loaf of bread. And we would go by the road where the sugar cane plantation workers were working. And at six o'clock in the morning when the whistle blew, they would say, okay, just have a sip of coffee and a little piece of the loaf of bread, because that's what they're going to be having. To make you experience what life was like for them. Somewhat, right? And they said, and never forget where you came from, because that's the only way you'll find out where you want to go. So this call to service emerges in you. you in 2009, you became a member of the House of Representatives mm -hmm. in Puerto Rico. Then 2012, you became mayor. I don't ever go to City Hall, very mm -hmm. seldomly. My office is at a trailer in a park. So I'm a trailer park mayor. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. We have this huge trailer, and it's got three different areas. And uh, we have all the meetings from there. I also have a, a mobile office that I take to the different sites around San Juan. City Hall is where the people are. There, there is a thing about City Hall and the power that it represents that makes people forget that they have the power. So if you're at a trailer in a park and the park is open, people can literally knock on your door and say, hello, mayor, I'm here, I have this issue. I think people will let you lead them if you follow them. Mm. Leadership should be 
a reflection of people's inner strengths and should confront them with their weaknesses. Uh, it should be transformational. Julene has described San Juan as a city for everyone and shared how she aims to be a mayor who represents everyone. But when the hurricanes hit, that philosophy was suddenly put to the test in the context of a federal government response that was spectacularly underwhelming, with civilians and philanthropy springing into action to take their place. We were told that FEMA was there. We were told before the hurricane that FEMA was there. And I'm getting this mayors from 11, 12, 13 towns coming to me saying, Julene, please, I have no food. I came to get the food from FEMA, and FEMA told me to come back on Monday, and it's Thursday. I can't, I have no food. Help me. Rules kept on changing. People kept on changing. And all of a sudden, we started hearing excuses. Uh, the grid was in bad shape before the storm. And this isn't like Florida, where we can go right up the spine, or like Texas, where we go right down the middle and we distribute. This is, you know, a thing called the Atlantic Ocean. This is tough stuff. It's on an island in the middle of the ocean. It's out in the ocean. This is an island sitting in the middle of an ocean, and it's a big ocean. The AFL-CIO sends us 327 workers. They come in to help, and they're getting to places where the insurmountable logistical situation that the federal government is saying they cannot handle, they're handling these people with nothing. They're taking care of our sick, not only in San Juan, but they hit 34 communities outside of San Juan. Doctors and nurses, and they're coming back to me and saying, Mayor, but I cannot go to another home outside of San Juan and not have water for these people because they're gonna die. We are also praying for the people of Puerto Rico. We love Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. And we also love Puerto Rico. <laughs> Listen, I tried to play nice because there was this undertone that if you complained about President Trump, then he wouldn't help you. That was made clear to you. It, it, nobody said it, but you know, it was in the air. You know, people would say things like, "Mayor, this, this help will get here. But be patient. Help will get here." And then I got two texts. One that said, if anyone can read this, we are in Coupe, and my neighbor is running out of diesel for her generator, and she needs it to breathe. Please help us. And then somebody whom I don't know sent me a quote from Rosa Parks. So this is the second text you get? That this is the second text I get. It says, the more we obeyed them, the worse they treated us. You know, I mean, for heaven's sake, you can put a man in the moon and he can't get water and food a thousand miles away from the U.S. shore. What, what's going to on? A, to a part of the United what, States. What, you know, right. what's, going, what's going on? So what was I supposed to do? I am begging, begging anyone that can hear us to save us from dying. If anybody out there is listening to us, we are dying and you are killing us with the inefficiency and the bureaucracy. 
So I am done being polite. I am done being politically correct. I am mad as hell. Because my people's lives are at stake. As I walk down the hall, people that love me very much, that are very well-intentioned, said, don't do this because you will ruin your political career. And I remember turning around and saying, I will ruin my life if I don't speak up because, you see, it isn't the smiles of the people you get to that keep you up at night. It is the screams that you can imagine of those that you couldn't get to. And I was trashed by the people of Puerto Rico, by the politicians. For being honest about For what telling was. that. They're yeah. saying, you are putting in danger the aid of the United States to Puerto Rico. I said, what aid? We're getting nothing. So what? it's interesting when Katrina happened and there was pushback from the citizens of New Orleans and the, the people who were concerned about what was happening there, and the federal government's response was trashed for being inadequate. Nobody said that they were putting in danger the, respo the response of the federal government. So why did you face that backlash? Well, it's colonialism. You know, th this is a story of, of the slave that lives in the house and thinks they're less of a slave than the slaves that works at cotton fields. I mean, to me, there is nothing more American than demanding your rights, than telling the truth and holding government accountable. So you do this, and the master responds how? The president oh, responds uh, by doing like what? He's tweeting, you know, he's, he, instead of being commander-in-chief, he becomes hater-in-chief. From the comfort of his golf club here in Bedminster, another tweet storm. The president lashed out at San Juan's mayor. Such poor leadership ability by the mayor of San Juan and others in Puerto Rico who are not able to get their workers to help, he tweeted. They want everything to be done for them when it should be a community effort. 10,000 federal workers now on the island doing a fantastic job. The acting secretary of Homeland Security says, quote, this is a good news story. It, it is really a good news story in terms of our ability to, to reach people and the limited number of deaths that have taken place in such a devastating hurricane. The official death count is 16. And there has been some fear and speculation, quite frankly, from people on the island who've heard rumors, as I did, from local officials on the ground in some of the hardest hit areas, that the death count is far higher. The death toll here is up to 51, including two more cases of a rare bacterial disease after the storm. Everybody has said it's amazing the job that we've done in Puerto Rico. We're doing a great job. We have had tremendous reviews. The governor made incredible statements about how well we're doing. I mean, I think we're really getting really good marks for the work we're doing. In Texas and in Florida, we get an A+. And I'll tell you what, I think we've done just as good in Puerto Rico. We have done an incredible job, and that's the truth. And despite what, what are now insistent references, from this administration, from the president personally, about how great the rescue effort is going. Um, the reality on the ground is something very different, and there has been nobody trying to sound that alarm louder than the mayor of San Juan. So your outspokenness, though, and your personal leadership result in the president finally coming to the island. Can you describe that meeting for us? It was a very difficult meeting for me to go. I, I thought, should I go, should I not go? And then I said, no, I represent the people of San Juan. 
So if I was willing to say this on a press conference, I must be willing to say it to him. I have been told the president of the United States has a habit of pulling people in when he shakes your hand. And it seemed to me like he didn't want to say hello to me. But the press was behind me and said, President and the mayor, I waited for him to put his hand out. I shook his hand as hard as I could. And we both pulled at the same time. I don't think he was expecting it. And I said, Mr. President, this isn't about politics. This is about saving lives. He just looked over me and he said, thank you, everybody. Thank you for being here. So he's just totally disregarded what I was saying. Never acknowledged. Never acknowledged it. That was his time to show off in front of the world. All he had to say was, Mayor, you're absolutely right. That's why I'm here. But you see, he wasn't there to help. He was there to throw paper towels. And the truth is that that does not represent the value of the American people. So you have the American government failing the Puerto Rican people, and you have the American people, the Latino community in the United States, the Puerto Rican diaspora in the United States, just doing everything they could and getting it done. And this man can only get there to throw paper towels. It's been nearly three months since a hurricane slammed Puerto Rico. Many living there still need help as a local college student is doing what she can to lead those efforts from her dorm at Carnegie Mellon. Through crowdfunding, she has managed to raise several thousand dollars and she has organized countless private charters to get that needed aid down to the island. We are bringing down 30,000 pounds of relief aid to people who have still yet to receive any help and we will be evacuating over 100 patients who need immediate and proper medical attention they cannot receive on the island. There is a unfortunate history of the American government's um, response to tragedy and crisis being underwhelming when racial dynamics come into play. So if you think about the um, aftermath of Katrina, think about uh, what happened in Flint, Michigan with the lead crisis, you think about Cancer Alley, to what extent do you think race was a factor in the underwhelming response to the crisis in Puerto Rico? I think more than racism, it's ignorance which actually ignorance breeds racism. You know, worse, worse the moral compass that Martin Luther King spoke to us about 50 years ago. He said, nothing in the world is more dangerous than sincere ignorance and conscientious stupidity. <laughs> and that's what you found you were up against. You encountered pushback, you, you shared. Um, every day, every day still. Even, even still on the island? Oh, yeah. In fact, people went as far as to say that I was behind the Harvard study. <laughs> you all knew at 11, nearly 5,000 lives were lost when Hurricane Maria hit Puerto Rico. That's according to a new estimate from Harvard researchers. But the government says only 64 people were killed by the storm. Rows of shoes lined up like tombstones in a graveyard, placed just outside the Capitol building in San Juan, to mark the death toll in Puerto Rico from last year's brutal hurricane season as the island braces for the start of a new one. The memorial visualizes the discrepancy between the official death figure of 64 given by the federal government and the much larger 4,645 deaths estimated by Harvard University. When people want to live in darkness, a spark of light will send them running. And the governor's tried to now say, well, it wasn't as good as it should have been. Well, no kidding, Sherlock. 
He complains about the Harvard study. He says it's not scientific. And he goes see the memorial. Well, you can't be on both sides of history. You have to pick a lane. You've decided as one way of moving past this and responding to it still is to try and steer the island in the direction of renewable energy. Yes. What takes you down that path? First of all, it was evident that we could have done much better in the days and weeks and months afterwards if we could have had a clean and green energy system. We still have places in Puerto Rico that 280-something days after Hurricane Maria do not have any electricity. And I've taken on the mantra of in San Juan of looking for permanent solutions to recurring problems because, in fact, we are an island surrounded by water. Climate change is real. And other hurricanes will come stronger and closer, and we will confront the situation. So I don't want to rebuild things, because rebuilding kind of implies that things were okay before. I want to transform things. Puerto Rico has the potential to make great strides in the green energy arena. In fact, there is a trend toward green energy around the country, and the cities that fully embrace its possibility are the ones that will be poised to lead into the next generation. Julene spoke at Carnegie Mellon University's Energy Week. This is what power is about. It's about ensuring that we all have access to things that can help us transform our way of life. It's about ensuring that the government is there to build platforms of transformation. We, unfortunately, must use the experiences of Irma and Maria to transform and to ensure that everyone has access to energy that is renewable, that is clean, that provides jobs, and that helps cities to transform. Moments like this um, bring out horrible things in people. We saw a lot of that in the wake of Irma and Maria. But they also bring out excellence and beauty and instances of inspiration. Were there any key moments like that for you? At, at a moment in time, 320 AFL-CIO workers took a one or two United Airlines flights and came down to San Juan and spent two weeks sleeping in cots and eating the same food that our refugees were eating. Nurses not only helped us and tended to our wounds, but came back to the United States and became advocates for the people of Puerto Rico because of the help of the people of New York City and Mayor Bill de Blasio. We had a group of people from emergency management that helped us set up a distribution system. We didn't know how to do it. Because of the help of Congressman Luis Gutierrez and ex-political prisoner Oscar Lopez Rivera and Mayor Rahm Emanuel from Chicago, we get our first cargo. The human spirit has to rise real high when there's darkness and sorrow all around you. That light that, that really was, was a spark in the darkness continues to, to be there. I often wonder in the, at night how much more are we going to have to endure before we're treated like humans, before we're treated with dignity before the, the structured environment that allows for this neglect to take place is lifted from us. This should never happen. And 
whatever went wrong here and whatever went wrong in Harvey and Katrina and Sandy, we need to fix it once and for all. I, I can't put solar power in every home because I don't have the money to do it. But, you know, I, I continue to hope that people out there, companies out there see what we have endured and, and know that we're willing and able to overcome because it has been the diaspora, the Puerto Rican community in the United States and world and the American people that have given us hope. Jolene, the name of this program is We Can Be, and we typically end by asking our guests to complete that sentence for us. When you think about what we might yet be, what we can be, how do you want us to end that sentence? We can be united in a common purpose to lift up humanity to levels never seen before. Dreams can come true if we dare to tell the truth. As an American, I am frankly ashamed of the U.S. government's stunningly inadequate response to its own people in Puerto Rico after the devastation of not one, but two massive hurricanes. But it makes me proud to see people and officials who will still speak out bravely. Voices that speak truth to power are positive forces for our world, and Mayor Cruz embodies that. At a moment of great need, she is using her position and voice to speak out when the vulnerable are in need, and she owns her words and actions as too few seem to do these days. Jolene maintains that there are people who do everything for a calculated political motive, and that her motive is a human motive. Keeping that human motive as reason for our own actions in our everyday lives and in our political arenas may just be the key to building a more equitable society. Making the health and safety of everyone our priority and recognizing the inalienable rights and value of each and every human being should be tenants we all share. <laughs>